0: Welcome to Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive, featuring conversations with performing artists and industry influencers on what it takes to succeed in the arts. I am your host, Diane Foy, and I believe that you really can make a living from your creative talents. As a publicist, podcaster, and coach, my mission is to educate, motivate, and empower you to thrive with authenticity, creativity, and purpose. Hello, and welcome to episode number five of Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive. My guest today is actor and Meisner technique coach Adrian Griffin. He is a graduate of the famed Neighborhood Playhouse in New York, where he studied with Stanford Meisner, Bill Anderson, Ron Stetson, and Robert Modica. For the past 30 years, he's been a working actor at the Shaw and Stratford Festivals, Neptune Theater, Sudbury Theatre, and many other theatres across Canada. He is also the founding artistic director of both On a Wing and Prayer and the Co Theatre Companies. Adrian has been teaching Meisner's work for over 10 years and is an experienced audition coach for roles that range from Shakespeare to contemporary film and television. This is a not to be missed episode for actors. I'll also warn you that there's no real introduction to this interview. We just jump right in.
1: They have to have something to show, and they have to have some sort of brand. And a lot of the students that I I get, who I coach, who I uh, teach my classes with, they just want the answer, and they, want, and they just want to get on with it, and that study.
0: That is how I got into this, because I get a lot of people wanting to hire me as a publicist, and they're just not ready. They don't have their stuff together yet.
1: No, they haven't fallen flat on their fucking face yet.
0: <laughs> they just want the easy route. They want to skip those steps.
1: I give them a little slack because they don't know that that's what they're asking for, right? You know, you have to be compassionate and go, oh, yeah, you're young. You don't exactly know. All you know is what you're being fed through a certain source, right? And then, and then they come into my class and they go, oh, shit. I actually have to work? (laughs) Oh, crap. Oh, man. Which is, you know, which is great. But, you know, the attrition rate can be uh, relatively high because some, well, and it was probably like that when I was younger as well. I just don't remember it in this particular set of terms. But people will either gravitate to work or they will go fuck you <laughs> I, I need something else I need an answer um, and you're not giving it to me and my thing has always been well the answer is actually in the work you know, I can give you lots of tricks and uh, things that will possibly get you a job but when you get that job you're not going to know what you're doing
0: <laughs> and you have to have that work ethic to, well you'll figure it out
1: yeah Those are, it's interesting because when I was in school in New York, um, everybody studied, everybody studied. I I was studying outside of my class, being a part of a studio, being a part of uh, and getting studio classes was a thing. I came back to Canada and nobody studied.
0: Not every actor does the serious studying. They just kind of jump into it.
1: Well, no, but people who had gone through conservatory programs, they, they'd get out and they'd go, yeah, I know what I'm doing. You know, I'm an actor now. <laughs> Boom, off I go. And I was like, no, that's not, that's not how it goes. This is, a, this is a, a, um, a progression we continue to learn. And a lot of those people dropped out, you know, because they didn't know what they were doing.
0: They see the glitz and glam and go, yeah, that's what I want to do, but they don't know what it takes. And that's part of what I want to, you know, share on the podcast is that I want to talk about the struggles along the way and the challenges and what got you through it. Set an example of what it takes to have, you know, you've had a career for 25 years as a working actor.
1: Yep. Actually, it's been 30. 30 (laughs) years now. now.
0: Got to update your bio.
1: (laughs) Yep, I do.
0: (laughs) So what are the, some of the highlights of your career?
1: Well, there are lots. I mean, it, the funny thing is it's not just sort of one thing. It's, it's many accumulative things that uh, re- maybe it's, maybe it's age, I don't know, um, where you start looking back and it's uh, a series of events that really, really formed you and also start to crystallize what you really, really want in life, right? and what you really, really want in your career. And those highlights are so varied and they came at different times. And they came at, at and I guess probably why they're uh, so powerful is is that they came at that time when you really, really needed it, when you needed to move on or you needed to, as you said earlier, take a break or, or somehow uh, redefine what you were doing. But I would say, going to the Shaw Festival, almost right out of theater school. Actually, I did a show at Theater Pass Mariah, under Clark Rogers. And it was this wonderful madness uh, of a, a Donna Lipschuk play, um, whom I absolutely, I knew no, uh, nobody when I came back. And it was this, um, people were high and drunk and on you know, many different drugs. And this was Probably 1987, early early 1987. I was like, "What the hell is going on here?" But it, I mean, it was a it was a carnival, and it was really really uh, eye opening going into my sort of first experience in in Toronto theatre, but then almost immediately after that I went to the Shaw Festival to uh, apprentice. And what I learned there and kept for so many years is stagecraft, just the grind of uh, working in repertory theatre. This is something the Brits knew forever. Uh, which was oh yeah, repertory theater. You go there and you learn the technique, the 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 ability to grind it out for you know how many months, nine months there, right? And you're doing three different plays, but you're also doing workshops, and you're you you're meeting a, a ton of people and directors, and uh, people come from different aspects. Um, and for me, it was a, a, a Eye opener! Wow, this is the this is the theater. This is you know the big time theater. It's not uh, your your fringe theater. <laughs> so that was you know I think I think if not a highlight, it was definitely a grounding. It was definitely a place where I learned, um, and I learned from a lot of great actors who I got to work with, and and directors, and and designers, and what what the theater. You know, actually was and and and, and what it took. Boy, it also got to wear great costumes <laughs> that you know were tailored for you. It was like, what? We usually went and bought these at the you know Sally Ann. <laughs> you are actually making my costume. It was incredible. It was an incredible eye opener. And I, and I came out of that experience though, creating my first theater company because, you know, as an apprentice, you don't get to do much. You do you do a lot but you, then you don't do a lot. You have a lot of understudies. You have a lot of work to do, but you want to get out there and, and create and, and be an actor and, um, and have a voice out there. Uh, and so I created my first theater company coming out of, uh, out of that. And Between my first and second season of the uh, Shaw Festival, I created a company called On a Wing and a Prayer Theater Company, and we did a play called Ned and Jack written by Sheldon Rosen. who was a Canadian. I believe he now lives in New York or in the US somewhere, I'm not sure. But it was about the friendship of uh, John Barrymore and Edward Sheldon, who was a playwright in the 20s. And it was during the opening night of Hamlet for John Barrymore on Broadway. So it was this lovely friendship. Um, Yeah, it's a great play, actually. It's a really, really great play. And now I'm probably actually old enough to do it. Then I was not old enough to do it.
0: <laughs> how did this all start? Like what, when you were young, what drew you to acting? How did, how did you get into this crazy business?
1: Oh, boy. I, mean, I could take up an hour just talking about that. Um, well, my parents, my, my, my mother was a dancer. She's Australian, actually. Um, but she was uh, touring in Europe, and she met my father, who was a cinematographer. So arts was always a part of our family. They took me to plays, they took me to the, the opera, they took me to the ballet. Um, so it was, always, it was always there, it was always present. But I think, I think actually the real answer is that by the time I was a teenager, girls were uh, in the theater programs <laughs> and boys were playing sports. And I could be in a locker room with all these guys or I could be with five other girls or 10 other girls and be literally one of the only guys in the room. So it was literally pu- puberty was the defi- defining uh, factor in that.
0: So there was no, with your parents, there was no forcing you to go to college and university to study, get a real job, you know? You, you came from that arts background, which is great.
1: No. In fact, it, <laughs> they... they They didn't try to entirely discourage me, but every time I would bring it up, their eyes would roll like, oh, God, not this. Are you kidding? Have you not learned anything from us?
0: (laughs) Uh, So the opposite. They were like, yeah, you don't want to do what I do.
1: No, in fact, even when I was in theater school, my mother would send me <laughs> um, cutouts from the newspaper of good paying jobs that, that i I could apply for uh, when I get back um, from theater school in new york so they weren't particularly encouraging um,
0: they, they don't want you to struggle yeah
1: no, they don't want you to struggle and 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 God love them for that you know they they want They don't want you to live the life that they had to live. Uh, I remember the first time I I, uh, I said, I want to be an actor to my father. And and he said, well, you better learn how to drive a cab.
0: Uh, I was like, what the hell does that mean? Well, that's the thing. You've got to love it more than anything.
1: Absolutely. I actually started at YPT. They have a, a summer youth program there. And I started doing that summer youth program. And from there, I uh, I found, or my parents actually found, it was funny. They would di- discourage it, but then they would find all these things for me. I was <laughs> like, oh, great. Thank you for um, facilitating this. A woman named Anna Furstenberg. She ran um, a group called the Theater Plant um, in Toronto, and it was uh, sort of a youth group uh, where you uh, wrote, or well, actually she mostly wrote, but you would improvise stuff, and she would take those improvisations and she would create a show around the things that were important to youth in uh, at that time. She was great, and she was she was literally the first person that took me aside and said. You know what? I don't know what you're thinking about but you might want to think about doing this. And it, it, that was huge for me. That, and I probably was about 13 or 14 when that happened. And that was why I, I you're right, I should do this. <laughs> so she was a huge influence and and she got and she would have, you know, play readings. You know, I I I learned uh, about Bertolt Brecht and, and, Kurt Weill and um Kurt Vile and Shakespeare and it was just incredible. She she was a, a, a real nurturer of young artistic uh, youth. You know, I believe she lives in Montreal now. I hope she's I hope she's well <laughs> out there. But she was huge. She was huge in my uh, development for sure because she made it exciting. She made it accessible. That a lot of those sort of big ideas and um, concepts were immediate and available to, to young people because she took the time.
0: So what made you move to England to study? What's the detour before New York? It was
1: a detour, but it it came out of uh, a restlessness that I, I, I dropped out of high school. There was a lot of family strife uh, at that time, actually before that. and. Actually, this has to go back to the time I was 16, because we were living in Italy. My, my parents had moved to Rome. Um, my mother was continuing studying, and my father was uh, also. But they decided that they were going to have a big divorce right in the middle of that. <laughs> so the family blew up, and uh, my father and I took a train ride at the end of my school year, after after been living in Rome for a year, uh, took a train ride back and we stopped in Paris and then we stopped in London. Stayed with a friend of my father's who was, he had in the nineteen seventies worked with and uh, he was a driver for the film company he was working for, uh, Nielsen Ferns at the time. And he owned a pub and I was like, this is the greatest thing in my life right now, and I want to come back here. And he said, well, if you ever want to come and work here for a time, you always have a spot. I went, done. And about two years later, when I was 18, I, I quit high school because things just weren't going well here. And I said, I'm, I'm moving to England, <laughs> unbeknownst to my father and said, I want to contact you know, your friend, Peter. and I want to work there, and I'm going to go to theater school there. and I'm, I'm going to be a Shakespearean actor. <laughs> so I proceeded to do all that, and he supported that, which was really, really quite amazing, not putting a wrench in, uh, in my own folly and letting me to figure it all out, which was great of him to do that. And I did. I went there. I, w- I auditioned for a bunch of theater schools there. But I was unbelievably young and and naive and uh, ill-prepared to do the work that they, the standard of what they were looking for. But, you know, I got to the last round of the RADA auditions, which was great. <laughs> um, but eventually it was me living there, working in a pub. But then I met this other actor and I ended up doing a pub show of a Basel of Havel play called Audience about Basel of Havel's life, uh, working in a brewery. And I fell in love with this writer and I fell in love with this work of traveling around pubs and putting it on yourself and being able to do it. And which stuck with me, uh, and still I, I do this today it was a DIY um, time, right? This is 1983 punk rock and, and DIY was, it was a thing. Don't, you know, don't let them keep you down. Do, do what you want to do. Right. So that philosophy really, really carried forward for me. Also at that time, big punk rocker. <laughs> um,
0: I work with DOA.
1: Yeah. Did
0: you really? <laughs> wow. I've worked with him for, I don't know, 11 years now
1: wow, I, I just had a fan moment.
0: Um, that's great. Yeah. T-O-A. <laughs> yep. Joe right Yep. There you go.
1: That's awesome.
0: As you were. Uh,
1: yep. <laughs> yeah, that, that ended up, you know, uh, coloring, uh, me creating my own theater company, my own, you know, all, uh, theater companies, plural, um, and doing a lot of work on my, on my own and not relying on others to give me work, or ordained to give me work. I spent a year there, had a, had a big love affair, that broke up, and I decided to leave, came back to Canada for about five months, and then headed off to New York after that, because I was restless.
0: So you got into the, the neighborhood playhouse?
1: No, I didn't. I actually ended up at another uh, school because I missed the deadline, and but the application was still in. They still held my application. I went to another school called the uh, New York Academy. Which which I didn't learn very much at. No. It, it was a, a an interesting little place. But I was like, oh, yeah, that's why you took me so quickly. <laughs> There's my money. That's but why I can get into this Never a school missed now. opportunity. You know, living in New York isn't, is an education in itself. And I studied. I studied hard. And I had gotten a call from my father and said, oh, they want to see you. I've been trying to get a hold of you um at this time i lived at 158 Street and broadway which was spanish harlem in 1985 which was rather rather dangerous and the only phone i had was actually out on the corner which was a payphone
0: oh my god that's such a movie
1: yeah it is uh, that was it, it it was it was my office like i i literally did everything you know, like papers everywhere this is when you had you know paper and and had to make phone calls and plug quarters into the <laughs> My father, I've been trying to reach you and had left a message at the uh, New York, the other New York school, uh, the New York Academy, um, that he'd been trying to reach me. Because it was the only way you could reach me, uh, leave a message, uh, unless I had called home and said, you have a uh, meeting at the neighborhood playhouse tomorrow at blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, crap. Okay, thank you. Uh, um, So I went in there and uh, uh, met a gentleman named Harold Baldridge, who was actually a Canadian from Calgary and was actually fundamental in the opening of uh, Theater Calgary with Christopher Newton, who eventually was the artistic director of Shaw Festival, who I eventually ended up working for. So everything, had, everything ties in, in in one way or another. And they accepted me. And I started the next year at the Playhouse.
0: Cool. Can you tell me a little bit about the history of the neighborhood Playhouse and its importance to acting? Because it has a, such a great reputation.
1: Yeah. Well, it's funny <laughs> when I got accepted I had absolutely no idea who Sanford Meisner was or or what the neighborhood playhouse meant. Uh I was unbelievably naive. <laughs> and I ended up in a lot of places by accident. I, I as I look back I go how did that actually happen? But once I did understand what was going on, it changed my life. It literally Everything I had thought I'd known about acting, everything I thought I'd known about art, all of a sudden was turned upside down. And that it wasn't just about pretending. It wasn't just about doing anything that you wanted. It was actually, it had technique and it had uh, a way of doing that that would uh, allow you to explore, but also be specific in what you were trying to accomplish. And it, it, it blew my mind. I was like, oh my God, this is, and it was literally after the first day. I knew I, it, it was that light bulb going off that what, for, for whatever reason that this was my path. This was, this was the thing that spoke to me because I'd been wandering around for you know five years already trying to figure it out. And this was the first thing in my life that actually spoke to me that said, oh, this is for you. You know, and it's not for everyone, right? The path, it, you know, it isn't just one path. Sanford even said that himself. Is, this might not be for you. This is not, you know, there's not just one path. You may have to go and, and do a lot of other things. In fact, he encouraged us to do other things and to learn other things. You know, the, the things that he and um, all the other group theater people were doing were wild, if you, if you ever read Harold Klerman's book about the group theater, The Fervent Years, it's, it's an, an incredibly enlightening. They were doing wild, wild shit, you know, trying to find it, trying to, trying to find how to do this, how to be specific about this thing that is performing and um, being an actor and, and, or, and a writer or a director or any part of uh, the theatrical experience. I realized in that, in that moment that it was more about being a creative person than necessarily just being an actor. And mean, incentive reminds is I can't teach you to act. But what I can do, you know, and the, I say this to my students as well, is I can't necessarily teach you to act, but I can hopefully be a part of or illuminate some way of having a richer uh, artistic life and giving you tools to explore that.
0: Right. And how long was the program? two years. I saw some other names that you listed as your instructors. Could you maybe mention each one? And what was the key lesson that you learned from them? We could save Meisner for last, then we'll get into the technique. Well, the thing
1: is, uh, we had Meisner in our first year, we had him once a month on a Friday. But when we in our second year, we had him uh, twice a month on Fridays, which was great. But there were, as you said there was a there was a lot of other teachers there that really really were profound in their in my experience with them and uh, now that I'm teaching myself, I really, really want to thank them <laughs> because I realize actually how hard it was. Uh, the work that they were doing to give us that, that bit of knowledge, the the tools to to work in, in the theater, to work as an artist. My first year teacher was William Alderson. I believe he now, I don't think he teaches at the playoffs. I believe he's been out in California for a long time now. Bill Alderson, he was, he was tough as nails. And he really, really took me to task about a lot of the things that I was doing and made me, question in a deep way what was true because uh, you know at that time you know i'd gone through a lot of stuff and i was more than willing to bullshit anyone right but he was really really a taskmaster in in being honest and truthful there was another teacher there named uh, richard pinter who ended up actually uh, uh being the head of the acting department i don't think he is now but he gave me a sense of play and a sense of joy working with this technique where which was a great balance between william alderson and and him the the, the serious the very you know take yourself to task truthful entity and then the joyous part of it he he was very funny he was and you know you got oh i can take the piss out of myself too that's great it's not just all drudgery <laughs> uh, i believe uh, ron stetson who is now I, I don't know if he's the head of the acting department now there but he uh, when i was started there it was his first year as uh as a teacher and he brought a fresh perspective uh of, of just being new and excited about it all which which was great and then uh, probably the, the 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 teacher that had the most effect on me was a gentleman named Bob Modica because he 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 also had such a demand about truth and I, but he also had a real sort what I would call Bruce Springsteen y kind of family truth and home and hearth and it was it was very attractive and everything that wasn't my life <laughs> but it was very raw and open. I, mean, I, I think the whole theater school experience is very raw and open. And that's kind of the point of it. But the, he taught me a lot about love and, and not just other people, but your, your art and loving your art and loving what you're doing and bringing yourself to that art, that you were enough, that the experiences that you had, um, that you didn't have to be anything else. Which is very important. And Sanford Meisner was so brutally honest, so brutally honest about everything. It was terrifying, you know, just talking about it, my hands uh, sweat. Not terrifying because he was mean, but because he was just honest, you know, and, and you, you're, you're a kid and you, and you want to perform and you want to uh, be liked and all those, you know, all the baggage that being a student is, right? So, and <laughs> the blessing was at the beginning, I didn't know who the fuck he was. <laughs> it was like, I don't even, uh, what? I don't know who you are. Then I started to learn. Then I started to go. Then I started to learn about the group theater. Then I started to learn uh, uh, a lot. I learned a lot in a very, very short period of time. But his his genius Uh, well, which is the entire technique um, that this man invented, is pretty incredible.
0: Explain that to me. What is the Meisner technique?
1: Well, Sanford Meisner believed that actors had two major problems. They don't know how to listen, and they're self-conscious. And he invented a a series of uh, techniques or a series of tools in the technique that uh, uh, allowed the student To uh, or taught them how to listen, A, number one, and B, lose their self-consciousness. And the the major component, the component that most people know about is called the repetition game. And what it does is it eliminates language so that you don't have to be clever. And through that repetition game, we start to uh, recognize true behavior. And if acting is behavior, then we can get down to truthful behavior, things that we are not trying to cover up or or come from a clever place. And that really, really, for me, is the genius of the technique is by removing that expectation, we become truthful in our responses. Once we become truthful in our responses, we then start to know how we truly feel about things, what really means something to us and what really doesn't mean something to us. Then we can take that knowledge and then we can use it artistically.
0: And how does it compare to Stella Adler and Lee Strasberg and also the method? So, what's the deal there?
1: What's the deal there? Well, the, the deal there is, I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: I'm not an actor, so tell me about that. The
1: it's 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 really sort of gotten a bad rap, or because people think they know what that is, or the and because oh you you have to become this, and you have to dredge up your personal memories of you know your dying cat. <laughs> but what what happened was all the divisions that really really occurred occurred uh, when. The group theater was together. You have to go right back to the source.
0: Right, because they were all in a group together.
1: Yes. The the group theater started in the 1930s uh, with Harold Klerman, uh, Lee Strasberg, and Cheryl Crawford were the, the major directors of this. And what had happened is that they had experienced the Moscow Art Theater coming to New York and performing and said, we want to do that. (laughs) And what they were uh, doing was the work of Konstantin Stanislavski. And they wanted to create a company that did American plays, um, because at that time, Broadway, it was all uh, imports from England, farces, comedies, uh, uh, music hall, um, vaudeville. Right. There were no real American playwrights at that time. There probably were probably
0: (laughs) we'll get letters.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Totally getting letters. But they defined American acting or uh, modern acting as 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 we know it today. Uh, That's how large uh, their influence was and is to this to this day. The thing that sort of really divided the group theater was how to get to truthful emotion. What, what really, really sparked the actor and how could you bring truthful emotion and reality to the stage? Now somebody like this, uh, uh, Sanford Meisner and uh, Stella Adler believed that it was the imagination. The imagination was the most powerful tool. Our brain was the most powerful tool that we had. And Lee Strasberg believed that emotional memory, which is sort of the cornerstone of what we call method acting. What I would say about method acting is, or the idea of method, where it came from is that Phil Adler had gone to meet Stanislavski um, in Paris in the 1930s because he said, this is the work that we're doing. This is uh, uh, what we, we are trying to accomplish. We are, we're following you, the, the, the teachings that you, uh, all the Literature that he had put out put out at that time, the work that they had seen at the Moscow Art Theater, and 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 she was talking about emotional memory. And Stanislavsky said, "Oh, I abandoned that years ago." Stella Adler comes back to New York and says, "Ah, oh, we're doing it all wrong." He's abandoned that. This is this. Uh, and Sanoslovsky said, "No, I'm I'm working now with the imagination, and this is uh, what we're doing." And there was a big brouhaha with the company and they all you know, were uh, uh, brought together and uh, everybody argued about the direction of the company and, and, and how they were studying what, and what they were doing and legend has it that uh, Lee Strasberg stood up and said I don't teach the Stanislavski system, which is what it was called I teach the Strasberg method. Boom, the method is invented. <laughs> And and becomes a, a a thing, right? And and Strasberg worked from you know he was in uh, deep analysis and and working from a very deep place, which is which is which is very rich and 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 holds uh, some valuable lessons. You know, I have a lot of friends who who work in that way and who teach that uh, method of working. And again, nothing is one way or the other, but it is really what works best for you, what tools you can grab and um, make your own. For me, the, the road of Sanford Meisner's work, the simplicity of it, well, the, what we believe is simple. It becomes much, much more difficult as you start to go through it. But the simplicity of learning how to listen, there are many, many directors I had before I even studied at the play. I said, just listen to your partner, just listen to your partner. Okay, how do you do that? Nobody ever taught me how to listen. How do you do that? How do you take your attention off of yourself and become uh, not self-conscious? How do you do that? And he gave me real tools to uh, do that and to open myself up to possibilities. And that was what, I, what really attracted me about the Meister Techniques, is that it was about possibilities. It wasn't about me. It was always, and it is, always about my partner. It's always about who I'm working with. And that's what he taught me.
0: And what, what drew you to wanting to be a coach yourself?
1: <laughs> well, I, uh, I resisted it for years and years and years and years. And, and really, in, in the uh, scope of things, I've only been teaching about 10 years now. But the resistance was uh, was entirely ego based. It was about you know if you're not what was the saying? Those who don't do teach or whatever it is. Those who can't do teach. So that was always in the back of my head, going, "Oh, that just hurts."
0: Right. It's like giving up.
1: Yeah. Well, I started actually teaching with my second theater company, the Company or the Co. And uh, we had uh, built a collective. Of actors and directors, and we also decided that we would train all our actors and ourselves in many, many facets of of the theater. Uh, we did uh, Lecoq work, we did uh, mask work, we did uh, chekhov' gesture work, uh, worked with mump and smoot um, clowns uh, myself, I taught meisner work we we studied as much as we could trying to find a common language so that all the actors, the directors, we all work from this place, um, which was a fabulous experiment and did some great work. But that's where I really, really started teaching, which was with my own theater company. So <laughs> I got around the idea of those uh, who don't know how to do teach by going, no, I'm an actor in this, and I'm an artistic director of this as well, so um, I can teach these people, and I'm not, I'm not a failure in my life.
0: Right. And you've continued to work throughout, so it's not like gave it up to teach.
1: No, no. But it's it's just one of those really, really horrible things that that is out there and, and you feel. And you don't want to feel that. You don't want to. Uh, you want to feel a part and be a vibrant part of uh, that acting community, which is, you know, <laughs> valid. But, yeah, and I worked through it. And then I started doing sort of one-off, um, you know, weekends. You know, uh, of uh, introduction to miser things. I was sort of dipping my toe in uh, to the to the pool to see, you know, how this would work, and that if people are actually interested in in being taught by me, and also I was teaching myself to teach. I was learning how to teach, uh, as opposed to hanging up my shingle and going, "Okay, let's see who comes and what am I going to do." So I was refining how I. And and teaching myself the things that I do now, and those were fine. They, you know, and I and I went and uh, watched other people teaching the technique and asked questions. And it it was it was a slow process to finally walk myself into being a full time teacher, for sure. Yeah,
0: yeah. You've d- you've done a lot of film and television as well as the stage. How do you find the difference in your approach?
1: <laughs> I like I like to quote. Oh God, what was his name? Um, he uh, when at the time that I was at the Playhouse, he ran the Juilliard School. Kevin Kline and uh, Robin Williams were all part of. Uh, Christopher Reeves. Hausman. Hausman was his last name. I can't remember his first name. Terrible person. But he was often asked the difference between uh, stage acting and and film and television acting, and and his. Retort to that was always, if you're not a well-trained actor, then, then neither is, you're not going to succeed in either. So that acting and being well-trained and being a good actor and knowing what to do and having technique is, is, is going to serve you. The, others are, the, other, the other parts of it are just technical aspects that can be learned in a day, really. But and and the thing about uh, the thing uh, that husband was uh, talking about, he came from uh, an institution like Juilliard, where they taught uh, voice, movement, singing, dancing. They were well-rounded actors, as we did at the Playhouse. And those are important to be able to articulate, uh, uh, to be able to uh, have a voice, to be able to take care of that voice and know what you're doing with it, to know how to breathe. But they're just as important, actually, in film and television as they are on the stage.
0: Do you prefer one over the other?
1: I love making films i love I love being a part of that process, but the theater is, and i think for uh, for most actors and i' I'm, I'm speaking for most actors uh, um, uh the theater is the first love it was it was my first love, and it was the the it was my training ground it was my that's how i grew up and it it informed me it 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 did so many things. As as a as a learning experience, but the theater is a as a long hard grind, you know. Uh, and I haven't done it in probably about seven years now, to focus mostly on film and television. But not just because of money, but because I was traveling a lot, and you're living out of a suitcase a lot, and you are not seeing your family and uh, things that are important to you. And it's a choice that you have to make. It's a, you know, particularly in Canada where you travel long distances to, cause it's a huge country, uh, <laughs> go places and you're stuck there for, you know, six, to eight weeks and, you know, life happens and things happen that you want to be a part of. And you, you don't have a life as a theater actor.
0: And with film and television, there's enough happening in Toronto
1: you know and there's never enough happening (laughs) for an actor there's stuff happening there's just never enough Um, but that's always an actor's lament right it's like there's never enough why did that person get that not me Uh, um, but yeah there is there's work here there's work here and there's there's always work that you create I create my own work I'm you know I'm also a writer and director and I write and direct my own film work and Um, directing a piece uh for a friend in february uh i just did worked for cfc i'm actually an ex-student um she wrote a piece for the cfc and another uh director i know i did my third short film for her you know there's there's always work and it's not necessarily remunerative where you're getting money but you are you are doing your craft you are working Right. If you wanted to make money, man, this is, not the, this is not the field you should choose to be in. Pick
0: any other career.
1: But, I mean, it's a life, right? It's a, and it's a very, very rich life filled, filled with incredible people that you, that you will meet, that you will share experiences with, as well as artistic uh, ideas and uh, values. I mean, I, would, <laughs> I wouldn't give it up for anything, really.
0: Was there ever a time that you wanted to? Oh, yeah totally <laughs> cuz there's a lot of challenges along the way there's struggle
1: absolutely there's like once a month you go i'm out of this game fuck you <laughs> it's there's no real glory in it there's no real money in it like, there are times that are really really difficult and you know my my wife was a stage manager At one point you know we've struggled we we've, we've you know over we've been together 28 years we've struggled you know to 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 live and that's a reality. <laughs> it's
0: a reality for most people in the arts. But you do it because you can't do anything
1: else. Absolutely, we ha- we we hold other jobs. We hold other jobs. You know, I you know, I finally totally understand my father's comment of "You better learn to write, uh, You know, drive a cab.
0: Well, now actors can do Uber.
1: Yes, yes. Acting jobs end. That's the thing, right? They end. You are on contract for. You know, if in the theater, six to eight weeks in film, three or four days, maybe, possibly a day here and there. But most of the time you're working at working, trying to get a job. But when you're working, it's great. And when you're not working, you are, uh, you hopefully have enough money or you have enough uh, other work to uh, sustain you. It's a life. It's not just a career. You know, coming out of theater school, boy, did we think oh, we have a career? We're gonna be something. Then you go, nope. Actually, it's a life. You have to choose to be in it. And the attrition rate, at least in, even in my class, was massive. You know, people people I have worked with over the years have, have disappeared. You know, because it becomes too difficult.
0: What are some of the advice that you give to actors, your 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 students, about the life?
1: The life. Well, it's funny, it doesn't actually come up a lot. What I really really try to tell them or uh, or teach them is that if they take care of their artistic selves, that everything else will follow. That if you're if you're if you're looking at this as trying to just succeed and be famous or you know, be wealthy, then this is not necessary like that may happen. That absolutely may happen, and and great for you. But that's not what I'm here to teach. This is not. You know, I I teach artistic skills that I'll, I'll allow you to explore a specific medium, and then hopefully other mediums as well. And I can make you solid in those tools, and you can apply them. You can apply them to your life. And you can apply them to your. Uh, and you can apply them to your acting. But. If you're, if you're looking for a specific type of success, I can't help you with that. And that, and that, that, is, that, is, that is a whole other ball game. <laughs> there's there's a, a lot of road in between there.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's part of why I wanted to get into coaching too, to help them between that and when you're ready for PR. A lot of people, just, they just don't understand the branding part of it but you also have to know business. You need to know counting, you know, and you also have to figure out a day job where you can have flexibility. Yes,
1: absolutely. I wish in theater school that they taught that. I mean, I think maybe they do now, I'm not sure, (laughs) but in my theater school, they didn't teach us anything about the reality of when you actually step out the doors to join your life. (laughs) It was like, good luck, have fun with that, now you're trained actors, go and do it. But there was, there was learning, you know, accounting, and, and that you're now a You're not an employee. You are uh, an independent contractor that you have to have this. You have to know this. You have to save all your receipts. Like Nobody told me that. Nobody told me that. And the first few years that I was an actor, I I then had to pay exorbitant amounts of taxes because I didn't know what I was doing. I was like, this is not right. I didn't make this much money. How could you? (laughs) Well, because you don't have tax write-offs. Which you should have had, because um, you're an independent uh, contractor, you're not an employee, all of it, all, all, all of that business stuff I wish somebody had told me, how to do that, you know, finding an agent, what that means, you know, paying your agent, all, what they take, what they you know, it was all sort of very well, we had stars in our eyes, for sure. <laughs> and, and as they do, too. You know, uh, but I'm always very, very open to my students if they want to talk about that stuff. I'm more than willing to talk about it. Most of the time, most of the time, they're nervous about you know fulfilling the tasks that they have to do within that class, and then they just want to get out because they like either succeeded or they felt that they didn't succeed, and then they just want to get out. <laughs>
0: well, at that point, they don't want to deal with the business stuff anyways. They're they're working on the craft. But then there needs to be a step after that to go to kind of teach them the skills of how to manage the career and build relationships.
1: Absolutely. And yeah, we, we didn't get any of that. <laughs> Nothing out into the world. There you go.
0: <laughs> cool. Well, any other tips or tricks or anything you want to share?
1: Well, not really. Um, I thought we had a a lovely conversation. I really appreciate it. For me, it's always about be kind to each other and uh, be empathetic because then you'll be better artists. Be interested in people. Be interested in life. Uh, Don't be disinterested because you, you can't afford that because everything, again, that I've been taught is it's outside of me. It's not me. It's out there. It's out there. And really, you know be interested in that, be interested in the other person. That's about it.
0: <laughs> cool. And where can people find you online? What is the studio that you work at?
1: Fraser Studios. Also, I have a Facebook page, the Meisner technique with Adrian Griffin. That
0: well, was great talking to you. You too, Diane. It was so great talking to Adrian. I learned so much. I'm not an actor, But I'm sure all you actors learned a lot, too. For more detailed show notes, visit dianefoy.com slash 005. Thanks for listening to Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive. Be sure to join the mailing list at dianefoy.com to gain access to exclusive bonus content, a weekly newsletter, and an invitation to our private Facebook group of purpose-driven performing artists and industry influencers.